Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. Good morning. Good morning. turn in your Bibles to the book of Ezra, to the book of Ezra, chapter 4, chapter 4. As you're turning there, uh, I will share with you. Uh, some of us went to the One Hope Conference yesterday, uh, sponsored by the Garden Church. One Hope is a uh, church planting ministry in the city of Baltimore, and it is also part of the Garden Church. And um, our friends, they brought the Word of God hardcore yesterday. We had a great day. Uh, we were at Trinity Baptist Church. Of course, it was a garden church hosting the conference. The church was full, big church built in the late 1800s, uh, right over on McCullough Street in West Baltimore. So, you know, we had to go in there a little quiet being from the east side. We weren't making, you know, we weren't making a whole bunch of noise. But uh, Pastor Joel Kurz, um, the theme of the conference uh, was justification by faith alone. And then he said, how then, by faith alone, how does that how does that play out in urban ministry so then we heard from pastor thabiti uh who is a church planting pastor from north carolina by way of the bahamas he's a church planting pastor in washington dc uh oh my gosh this man brought the word of god yesterday he did he did and then we heard from pastor aleandro who is a church planting pastor and part of our state convention in washington dc uh, and then um, Shylin, boy, he is, oh my gosh, my man from West Philly, right? Shylin is um, a pat- church planting pastor and Christian hip hop artist who said, how then, what does this look like, right? How does justification by faith play out when we start talking about ethnicity in the city? And there will be a week soon when I will share we. Uh, maybe in a Bible study format, we'll share the six things, the six points that Shailen brought to us yesterday. How does this play out when we hit the street? How does this play out as followers of Jesus in our community? Uh, and I'm telling you, in the worship in between each segment yesterday, we had a great day in the Lord. Just wanted to share that with you. Okay, you're ready to go. And someone will remind me, and I'm being recorded, so I can't get away with it, um, that I think the conversation, um, the conversation then um, regarding ethnicity and urban ministry, um, we, we will continue to have that conversation as a church family as well. And uh, let's see, raise your hand if you were at the conference yesterday. Yeah, we had a good time. A couple others aren't here this morning, but they were there with us yesterday. A couple of people sitting behind me were cutting up a little bit, but <laughs> but we had a good time. We had a good time. Okay, we're in Ezra. We're in chapter four, right? And our theme is the house that God is building. And uh, so we're in uh, week Uh, We did two, one, two, three, four. Week four of our series, right? If I don't know that, who does, right? Um, And so last week we talked, um, 
or two weeks ago, right? We spent two weeks talking about the fact that God is sovereignly building his team, right? God called leaders. He called the priests. But even more importantly, we talked about the people, right? And that God called people uh, to rebuild his temple after the 70, during the 70 years of captivity that the Israelites were in captivity to the Assyrians, the Babylonians, and then the Persians because of their disobedience to God. God will discipline his own children. You know why? Because he is a good, good father. That is why. Because he is a perfect father. And so the children of Israel, this is where they found themselves again, right? And so this is our book. This is our movie. And so we're going to come back to that. That's going to, oh, oh, spoiler alert. I'm getting ready to give you the scene from three weeks from now. I got to be careful not to do that. So God is sovereignly building his team. And then last week, the team leaves, they pack up, they get all the money. Cyrus has all, he collects money. He gives them back everything that Nebuchadnezzar had stolen and disrespected out of God's temple. They pack up, the heads of the families get everybody together. Remember last week we talked about the old heads, right? Yeah, they had a little struggle once they got there. But then... Um, um, remember that they were living, they were working in unity and obedience, right? So here we are, right? The church, God's people, they are uh, living and working in unity. The work has started. They, they rebuild the altar and then they start to, and they do, uh, build the foundation of the temple. But isn't this, um, isn't this just what happens, right? So this work begins with unity and obedience. We talked about that, and then next, we talked last week about the important work of a good foundation, right? Remember, there was probably this old raggly, that's my word, it's not in the dictionary, this old raggly altar, and there were some people named, um, most likely the Samaritans, who had stayed behind. They were not in captivity along with the majority of the Israelites. And they were still worshiping God and attempting, um, attempting to worship God and make sacrifices on what was left of this ragtag altar that they had tried to keep going. And I'm not saying it was a good thing or a bad thing, but there they were, right? So we see the important work of a good foundation taking place last week. They rebuild. Why? Because all, for almost 70 years, they had not been allowed to make these sacrifices and to worship God in obedience the way that they wanted to now that they had repented and the way that God wanted to hear from them in worship. So then we also remember that progress, my favorite slide, the progress in the work reveals mixed emotions. So some of the old heads, remember, they were cheering when the um, foundation was laid. Everyone was cheering, but then they said there was this other noise. And the other noise was the crying and weeping, most likely of some of the old heads. The, Samar the Bible called them that, not me. I'm not being disrespectful. You check it out. Um, it's in there. And, um, but I do like it a little bit. <laughs> And, and so the weeping and the crying mixed in with the cheering and jubilation, jubil yeah, that word, um, and the happiness at, at being back at work for God made a sound that people didn't, people miles away could hear and it didn't sound right. Why was it? Some believe, and now I'm starting to believe as well, 
that this was not just the old heads who had returned, but the Samaritans who were already there and observing what was going on. And, and you'll see why in just a moment. So here's what happens. Don't go anywhere yet with suspense, right? This is a new episode this morning, okay? There's a new episode starting this morning. Here's what happens, right? You start out serving the Lord in unity and obedience, man. You know what? You rededicate your life to the Lord, right? And God calls you and you hear from him. And you, along with some other people, you know, in your church maybe, or in your, in your collegiate group, or in your, in your building where you live, you've decided that you're gonna serve God. And you're excited about it, right? You rededicate your life, you step out in faith, you go to work, Man, and people, folks around you are worshiping and cheering, and you're like, oh my gosh, can it get any better than this? And you know what's getting ready to happen, don't you? You know, because y'all saw the scenes for next week, last week, right? You know what's getting ready to happen. Opposition. Yep. So, go ahead, we can do it now. Here's what happens. I, I know, I tried to, I tried to get rid of that, but I, I know. If I had... If I'd done my job this week, Morgan would have had time to dress that up. <laughs> but the enemy slips in, right? The enemy slips in, but the enemy comes in many forms in our lives. Sometimes, some, that was the enemy. Sometimes, <laughs> we planned that, we planned that. We're not letting them in now. So, the enemy can come in many forms, right? In your life and in mine. The enemy can come, but remember, the enemy can, can be um, anything as small as being discouraged, losing focus for a very short time. Um, it could be a particular sin that kind of likes to creep back into your life, even while you're excited and serving God, right? The enemy can come in many forms. Now, now the entire enemy right whether whether people oppose us and we're going to see here that people oppose the children of israel but they really weren't opposing um they didn't know it they really weren't opposing people they were opposing god right and a lot of times you and i when we feel that opposition coming at us and we think it's coming in the form of people or an entity or an organization and we get depressed, discouraged, angry, scared. Sometimes we say things that, you know, you just put up all them little things on the screen so you don't hear the real words. And, 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 and so how are we going to respond to this opposition? It comes in many forms, but ultimately, all of this opposition, this enemy, is all spiritual warfare. It's all spiritual warfare. But here's what happens in verses one through three. You heard, um, Anthony read the scriptures. You see, now, when the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the people of the exile were building a temple of the Lord God of Israel, so a group of them, probably the Samaritans, they came to Zerubbabel. I know I like that, right? Say it four times real fast. So they came to Zerubbabel, and it sounds pretty innocent, right? They said, hey, man, we, we see what you're doing, and we want to join you in the work. And it sounds innocent. And the more I read the word of God, in the beginning here, I, it's not necessarily a right or wrong or, or a spiritual thing, but Zerubbabel says no. And it could be just a legal thing, right? Cyrus said, okay, Zerubbabel, you take your people, you and Joshua, right, the high priest, 
You take your people, you leave captivity, you can go and rebuild this temple. But he didn't say anything about the Samaritans or the group that's there. So it could have just been a legal thing. Hey, the king said we could come and do this. And I don't think it's right for us to bring you in. It might not be legal. It could mess up the job. But for whatever reason, you see, um, we see that Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the rest of the heads of the father's household said, you have nothing in common with us in building a house to our God. So you know that there was an intense dislike or hatred between the Samaritans and the Jews. Some people believe that this is where it began. Some say maybe it already existed. I'm thinking, and, and my, uh, my Jewish history is far from perfect, right? I'm thinking this is maybe where it began, right? So the Samaritans were Jews from the 10 northern tribes who had intermarried with other people. And so Judah and Benjamin, the people who were in captivity coming to rebuild the temple, thought that they were um, um, sinners. They were pagans. They weren't as pure. They couldn't worship God because they had intermarried, created this whole other group. Jews hated Samaritans. Samaritan hated Jews. You want to talk about an ethnic situation. Interesting that Shai Lin said very specifically that we're going to talk about ethnicity, and correct me if I'm wrong, that ethnicity um, was more biblical than we immediately go to race in our 2022 conversations. But so this is, this is an ethnic, uh, an ethnic hatred, an ethnic problem. And, and I'm starting to see that um, the more I, I read the word of God in light of what's going on in our own culture today, it's everywhere in the Bible. Man, and we heard so many instances of that yesterday. Lest I get sidetracked, here we are. But so, so he says, no, you know what? You have nothing, you have nothing to do with us. We're going to continue what we're doing. So they were polite, right? Sorry, you have nothing to do with us. Thanks for dropping by. Nope, we got this. Sorry, can't join in with us. So, so how do they respond? Um, they said, verse four, here we go. Next slide. Um, discouragement follows. Here's what happened. The people of the land... That's the Samaritans and maybe some others, but, but we think primarily Samaritans and maybe even some, um, some Medes and some Persians or people in the outlying towns who still lived around there. Okay, they discouraged. And it's interesting because the Hebrew word there says weakened. They weakened the people of Judah. They discouraged the people of Judah and frighten them from building. Here's where in verse four, the, the opposition kicks in. They weaken them. You know what happens when we get discouraged? Uh, you know what happens, you do know what happens when you get discouraged, right? I know that when I get discouraged, it can do that very thing. It can impact the effectiveness and I don't have a lot of subpoints on my slides today, but it can impact the effectiveness of my work for the Lord when I get discouraged. Watch this. It can impact my relationships with others with whom I live, love, and work. Discouragement not dealt with can turn into depression. Now, 
I'm not saying what happened here, but as we go on today, you're going to see it's going to we're going to unpack what happened here, right? Um, and I don't want to read something into the Word of God that's not there. But but these guys started doing stuff. The opposition they started doing some things that discouraged the children of Judah from their work. They got sidetracked. Remember, they were already afraid. Remember, they started making them sacrifices right away, right? It says they were scared. Remember that? Matter of fact, they said they were terrified. And that's why they made those sacrifices night and day for several months after they built that altar, right? I mean, they were getting it in after 70 years of not being able to sacrifice to the Lord the way they wanted to. So here we are, the work. Discouragement follows. Watch this. Discouragement, depression, loss of focus, impacting relationships. I saw, um, I, I'm just going to confess, I saw a Facebook post. I, I know, but but here's the thing: it was, it was from someone. It was it was from a theologian, professor, man of God, whom I have respected for twenty some years, and and he he shared something very publicly that if you knew my friend, he's he's even older than me. Think about that. And if you knew my friend, you would say, "Man, professor just shared this on Facebook." What? Right? Uh, what, what? And, and I'm reading this, and he said, I need to continue to remember I'm being recorded. He said, I have, he said, I never understood this all my life. For the last five months, I have been suffering with the most crippling anxiety that has impacted every single area of my life, and I felt as though I could do nothing. Opposition came to him in right serving the Lord. He didn't say how it impacted his relationships, and good for him, right, uh, on Facebook. But, but, I, but you can just believe it impacted every area of his life. And he shared that publicly, and then he went on to say the whole reason he was doing that was because he has such, he said in his entire life, he had never experienced anything like that. Now look, the devil will use a whole lot of things to discourage us, right? And, and, and we talk about the devil, he's real, and, all, and everything that we experience that would detract from the work of the Lord, that would steal from your relationship with God and steal from your relationships with others, is all spiritual warfare. You know, uh, I know Diane says it all the time, and she reminds me, Charlie, is spiritual warfare. And so, here we go. Discouragement follows in verse 4. And so, but look, next, uh, next slide, it gets worse. And isn't that, isn't that usually how it is, right? I'm serving the Lord. You jump back out there even after a time of maybe not serving God or being active, right? Like the Israelites had been in exile under God's discipline. They jump back out there. They're excited. They're singing, shouting, making sacrifices, serving God. And then, boom, man, it's like, um, what does Mike Tyson say in his book? Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Y'all got, man, I'm telling you, man. I did not know. I think his book was a bestseller, right? I'm quoting the brother, and I haven't even read his book yet, but I like that one. He said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Man, you got that right. Imagine that, right? That's only happened to me a couple times in my life. He signed up for it. So, but the opposition increases. Man, it gets worse. It gets worse. A friend of mine was talking to 
Um, Diane and I, I call him my boss, but really he's just a godly man who I really care, uh, who's just really wonderful. And we were getting ready to buy this building, right? And I was geeking out. I was like, man, man, what if we buy that building and no one comes ahead? What if we buy that building and it falls down the next day? What if we buy that raggedy vacant building and they tell me it's not? And like, I'm geeking out, right? And my friend said, Charlie, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen? I said, um, I could make a mistake, be a failure. Everything goes down the tubes and, uh, and I'm a loser. He said, wow. <laughs> he said, no, he didn't. He said, Charlie, is that the worst thing that can happen? So you trusted God's leading. You acted in faith. You stepped out and it didn't work. And I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, well, I guess. And, and the short conversation was, you got to decide, right? Where's God leading you? Are you stepping out in faith? That fine line between faith and foolishness, right? But, and, and I wasn't even receiving any opposition at the time. I was just like very anxious about it. But here, the opposition increases. And here's what the guys do. They hired counselors, right? Against them to frustrate their counsel all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now, so... You know how that works, right? Um, in relationships, you get in a fight, you have a beef with your bestie or something, and then like, like you're thinking like you're discouraged, it's impacting your life, it is spiritual warfare, it's a form of opposition. And don't you know, like that's not bad enough, they get on Facebook and they tell all your friends, right? Do you know what so-and-so said, right? Here's the thing, here's what we're gonna see here in the scriptures. These guys, these guys are really good because you know what a lie has? You know what a good lie contains? Some truth. Some truth. A fair amount of truth. A good lie is some truth twisted up real nice, right? And some people are good at that, right? So here comes this opposition. It, they're ramping it up, right? You're already discouraged. It's impacting your work. It's slowing you down, building the temple, slowing you down, serving the Lord. And it gets worse because somebody just, your friends got together, your friend blew you up on Facebook, and now all your other friends are against you. So it's just ramping up, right? Or you're serving the Lord in, in a ministry, you're in your community, you're on campus, wherever it might be. Picture where you work and live. And the opposition gets even larger. No, you can't do that. No, the mission team's... The, the mission teams who are coming to do um, Easter festival with us, they, they canceled. <laughs> They're not coming now. Oh, that's a true story, by the way. They're not coming. Um, <laughs> and so I feel like this opposition, right? I'm disappointed. I'm discouraged. And then it just ramps up, right? Not just one mission team's not coming, but now both of them aren't coming, right? And my friend Sean says, bofum, that's a word. <laughs> B-O-F-U-M. So, so the opposition, but it ramps up. It doesn't get better. You say you trust God. You're going to work through it, but it gets worse. So that's what's happening here. They hired counselors. And then I'll give you, um, so not only does it get worse, but the attack intensifies. Now what they're going to do, they get together and they say, um, they're going to write a letter in the days of Artaxerxes, Abishalem, uh, Mithridath. And Mithridath, by the way, was one of the guys in the beginning who gave him all the stuff back from the temple because Cyrus told him to. Tobiel and the rest of the colleagues, the colleagues, right? Don't you love it at work? 
when um, you're the one getting put on the grill at work, you're getting roasted and the colleagues get together, right? And you are lunch. You just don't know it yet. So, but the attack intensifies. They all get together and they say, we're going to write a letter to the king. We're going to tell him what y'all are really doing. And not only that, we're going to twist it up real good and we're going to throw some stuff in on the side, right? So here's what they do. They wrote, and, and I'm not going to read the whole verses 11 through 23, and you'll be glad I don't, but they wrote a letter, right? And the rest of the nations got involved, and I just got to tell you, there's one more name, and then I'll continue on. Verse 10, and the great and honorable O-Snapper. O-Snap, right? Yeah, so they got Brother O-Snapper involved. I just had to say that one time. So... So these guys get together, and there's a letter, and after, halfway through verse 11, we even get a copy of a letter. And I'm not going to read the whole letter, he says, but let it be known to the king. Snitching, right? <laughs> let it be known to the king. They get together, and they're snitching on you, right? You're serving the Lord, minding your own business. You're happy. You're singing a little Jesus, right? You remember the songs that Morgan sang on Sunday, mm, right? <laughs> And they've come up to Jerusalem, they're rebuilding the rebellious and evil city and are finishing the walls and repairing the foundations. So here is some truth, right? Cyrus sent them, Cyrus sent them to rebuild the temple and they did, they did start rebuilding a little bit on the city and on the wall. And, and so you could say, really, they really weren't supposed to be doing that yet. It's not um, like, and God doesn't come out and say that it's disobedience, but there's some, what I'm saying here is the letter starts off with some truth, right? So, so the snitches, they're just ramping up with this letter now, right? And he said, but here's what's going to happen, verse 13. When they do finish, you remember how great that city used to be? Well, when their walls are repaired and they all get back inside the city, they're going to stop paying all their taxes, right? They're going to ditch you. They're not going to pay their taxes. They're going to be great and mighty. And then you'll lose your grip of control on that whole region. So, so they're going to steal your power. Stop paying you your taxes. And if you let these people rebuild this temple, Cyrus, they are going to hide. They're going to jack you up publicly and you're going to look bad. You're going to look. They, they do such a great job of this. If this were 2022, I thought about rewriting the letter as in 2022, but I would have had way too much fun with that. And so, and he says, he says, now be, verse 14, picture this. Now, because we are in the service of the palace and it is not fitting for us to see the king's dishonor. Therefore, we have sent you this information. Or like they're looking out for the king, right? They're mad. They got their feelings hurt, right? Um, because they couldn't participate. They, and, and, and they're insecure. They see the Jews coming back to their city. Now, now all of a sudden, they're the king's right-hand man, right? We don't want you to look bad. He said, so we've sent and informed the king. And then basically, don't you hate it when, um, don't you love it when people do this? So that a search may be made in the record books of, they basically start telling the king what he needs to do. So, so, right, they're getting in the king's ear. Opposition. That's what people will do, right? Opposition. They get in the king's ear and they say, well, you know, we inform the king that if that city is rebuilt and that wall is finished, as a result, you will have no possession in the province beyond the river. So, 
So now the king starts thinking, oh, man, what did I do? I let these Jews go back just because they wanted to build their little temple and worship God. And because and the king was not a follower of God, but the king believed in all the gods, right? And the king said, well, their God might have something. So, so really, he kind of respected God. Like, like there's, some, there's some fellas in our neighborhood, and they don't know Jesus yet. Um, but they have this, this kind of general respect for God that I know I can even go in the corner and ask the fellas for a little something, something, and in taking care of the neighborhood, and they will help me out. But they don't know Jesus yet, right? So that's the king, kind of how the king was with the Jews. But, but so the king, he says, oh, man, what did I let these guys do? So he goes to William, the commander, to Shimshai. Shimshai is kind of like, oh, snapper. You just kind of like to say that, right? He goes and to the rest of their colleagues who live in Samaria beyond the river. And he says, so the document that you sent me has been translated and read. I heard, so the king, I heard what y'all said in your letter. And he said, um, um, it has been discovered. So the Medes and Persians were really particular about history. They wrote everything down. It's really pretty interesting. Babylonians did too. Matter of fact, Diane and I had the privilege, we had to travel to Egypt twice um, while our daughter was going to school there. And when you go in some of the temples and you go into pyramids, the, the Egyptians, man, they kept meticulous history of what happened. Um, and we, you could literally go in and see, see these hieroglyphics and, and these pictures, and, and they were translated. And, and we were reading three and 4,000-year-old history. Well, it was being read to us, right? Um, so anyway, the Medes and the Persians were very, they kept meticulous records. I said, you know, I went back and checked out what you guys said. And you know what? These Jewish people, they used to be pretty powerful. Um, they did have a big city. They did conquer others. They, did, they used to have a lot of money. Their God was strong for them. So now the king's insecure about letting them go back at all, right? So, verse 21, Now issue a decree to make these men stop, that this city may not be rebuilt until a decree is issued by me. Verse 21, he says, Beware of being negligent in carrying out this matter. Why should damage increase to the detriment of the king? So they're slick, aren't they? Oh, we don't want anything bad to happen, guys. So the king says, nope, you know, put a stop to it, man. Put a stop. So sometimes, next slide. Sometimes, oh, I like that. When all seems lost. When all seems lost. See, We've been challenged a little bit. We've been working on this vacant building for a little over three years now. Um, and, oh, man, sneaking up on four, isn't it? We've been working on this building for a little over four years. It took them 20 years to rebuild the temple. We don't know that. Some people say, now, there's a historical challenge here because there is, um, there's some names and locations here that some people think that verses 6 through 23 is a parenthetical statement of everything that was going to take place and then the history picks back up in the next chapter. So there's a long view of this and a short view. You, you deserve to know that, but also I can't go down a rabbit hole this morning on, the, on that. But the bottom line is, the bottom line is, verse 24, then work on the house of God in Jerusalem ceased, and it was stopped until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. The work stopped for eight years. If I remember correctly, I think it was almost eight years. So they're excited. 
They're living in obedience to God and in unity with one another. They're worshiping God together. They're worshiping God appropriately. They're making sacrifices and having celebrations. They're loving one another. They've got each other's backs, right? The, the Israelites are like the, I mean, you know, think about the church. Think about us. Think about other followers of Jesus all over the country, all over the world in churches today, right? All the, and then, boom, right? The oppression starts. The battle, the trial, the test. Then it gets worse, right? So, oh, Lord, have mercy. It can't get any worse than this. And then all of a sudden, when all seems lost, man, they stopped. They couldn't work anymore. So this work is going to be stopped for eight long years. I mean, think about during that eight years. Some of the people who went there, they were probably older. Some of them maybe passed away without getting to see the temple rebuilt. They got discouraged. They went from, they went from discouragement to um to some depression and 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 being really sad and worried and maybe scared to just downright all out depression right god what are you do god you sent us here to do something and now we can't god what are you do think about the questions they were asking think about some of the questions you may ask god when you feel like when you feel like everyone's against you or when you're working your hardest, you, you're, you're, you're doing your best to live in right relationship with God and others. And man, something bad just happens. Something happens, someone, an entity, an organization, a person, often someone that you might have some history with or someone close to you. Man, those are the ones that hurt the most, right? Well, here, so what are the implications of that? How, next week, we'll see how they responded to it. Um, next week, do we get our new player? No, we don't get, we don't have some, any new characters uh, coming in next week. It's the week after that. It all gets real good. But next slide. What are some of the implications? What do I do? How do I respond? So I must respond biblically when opposition comes my way. What does that look like? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Trust in God, getting good advice that's based in God, in the word of God, or in God's man or woman who is part of your life. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't always trust what you think you see going on. Child talking to me now, not y'all, right? Um, it's one of the reasons I was kneeling down over there this morning and not having communion with you. In all your ways, acknowledge him. So in all my relationships, in my work life, in my workplace, in my relationships at home, in my relationships with significant people whom I love, in my romantic relationships, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. When I'm feeling that opposition, when something's not right, and sometimes me personally, now sometimes I'm the enemy of me, right? But we're not going to go there this morning. Next slide. So trust the Lord with all your heart. Now, here, I'm going to go. I can't tell you how much I love um, Joshua chapter 1. I can't tell you, I preach, there's a couple of youth messages I preach out of Joshua. You think we're having fun this morning. Uh, Joshua chapter 1. And God gives me permission to just show, to show him off. Here's what God said. Uh, Moses has just died. Joshua is God's faithful man, right? Um, God tells Moses in verse 5, as a matter of fact, he says, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. But then he says this, 
four times in Joshua chapter one. Have I not commanded you? And here's what he says. Be strong and courageous. Charlie, be strong and courageous no matter what comes against you. Do not be terrified. That's where the message came from, my man from Tennessee, when I heard at Convo at Liberty, right? He was a football player. Don't be scared. That was, yeah, it was a young man, football player, preached in Convo, man. He said, country boy, I guess, because he said, don't be scared. This is where it came from. Don't be terrified or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, right? The Israelites, too, God said, this is where I'm taking you. This is where you're to go. They knew God was with them, but it was hard, right? Some days it's going to be hard. Some days you're going to say, I just can't do this. I quit. Some days you're going to say, man, you know what? I'm God, I don't know what you're doing, but I don't want to do it anymore. Wow. Sometimes we say, well, I've said, you probably never said you're more faithful. But so some encouragement today when the opposition comes in whatever form it may come. Be strong, be courageous. Next slide. What then shall we say to these things in Romans chapter 8? I love Romans chapter 8. Y'all know that. We spent a long time in the book of Romans together. <laughs> yes, we did. Romans 8, 31 through 35. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? When it looks bleak, when it looks like the project is shut down, when it looks like your closest people have turned their back on you, when it looks like you might lose that job for something you didn't even do wrong, who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not only, not also with him, freely give us all things? Who can bring charges against God's elect? Who can bring a real charge against you as God's child? God is the one who justifies by faith alone, right, y'all? We heard that a lot yesterday. Next slide. Who is the one who can condemn? Christ Jesus is he who died, but rather was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or trouble or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger? None of those things can separate you from the love of Christ if you are God's child. So what do I do? Sometimes I just need to remember that promise that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Even on the darkest day when it looks like so much is wrong in my life or in the world. I know during COVID, I caught myself doing this. Um, I'm taking on all of the emotions of, of the sadness and the pandemic and the lockdown and the masks and sad people, including me sometimes, and all that, you feel all of that on you. And I started to take that on. And God, yes, a heaviness. And God said, that's not for you, Charlie. That's for me. That's for me. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Next slide. So um, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7 and 8, and this is, this is what Professor made me think of um, in 1 Peter having cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So be of sober spirit. Be on the alert because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Spiritual warfare is real. Opposition is real. It is coming. 
But when you feel anxious and you feel like you just can't take it anymore, anxiety is real, isn't it? Some of you know how real it is. Um, it'll keep you from making good decisions when you usually trust the Lord and you're vibing with the Holy Spirit and you're making good decisions in your life. And then all of a sudden this anxiety kicks in. This anxiety, you start to doubt yourself. And really you start to doubt where you've been walking with the Lord and and you know you turn left when god will usually have you turn right this anxiety is real cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you say charlie that sounds nice but what does that look like it looks like some time in prayer that looks like a good cry with jesus once in a while uh, man i do that every now i don't tell you i don't tell y'all i'm a man right <laughs> Man, you get a good cry with Jesus with some worship music on or something, right? Yeah, you can get right. You know what I'm talking about. But the, but the opposition is out there. The opposition is out there. I was... Uh, oh, next slide. Man, we got to finish strong. Do not, do not give the devil an opportunity in Ephesians 4.27, I thought I just gave you the verse there, and I wanted, to, I wanted to see that very briefly in Ephesians. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. He goes on to say, he who steals steal, must steal no longer, right? So he's saying, don't give the opportunity to the devil with your old behavior. But I'm also saying, don't give the devil an opportunity when you're under attack, when you're feeling that opposition, when, when you feel like all is lost, the project has gone down, has gone down the drain, down the tubes. When you feel like, how in the world do I bounce back this time, Jesus? Don't give the devil an opportunity. I want us to have an encouraging response from the Word of God about opposition, discouragement, anxiety, in whatever form it may come. I shared with you briefly from Ezra chapter 4 about what the Israelites experienced. It didn't go away in a week. It didn't go away because they just prayed and cried to God one time. This particular opposition, it seems like it lasted about eight years so it really messed up the work that they thought they were going to be doing for the Lord. Listen, we just got to, we really in these moments must just trust God. I don't want to belabor the point. But next week in, um, in Ezra 5, uh, in Ezra chapter 5, be our next episode. Soon we're going to have some, we're going to have some new characters enter into the narrative, Right. We're going to be a new scene in the movie next week, right? Um, I mean, you can read the book of Ezra and see what happens next, right? Um, so don't wait till next week. But uh, we're going to see what God's people do. We're going to see um, how God provides for his children. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.